Welcome to the Red Pill Training Podcast, brought to you by James Jousey Training, 3D Physiotherapy, and the Mansfield Sports Institute. Gemma, James, and Phil, delivering topical podcasts on fitness, nutrition, health, lifestyle, training, and sports. Hello and welcome to the Red Pill Podcast, special edition podcast today. Special guest, um, very pleased, privileged to have uh, Stephen Fawcett with us. Good evening. Uh, yeah, he's evening now, isn't he? We're going to be talking various topics, mostly mm-hmm. CrossFit orientated. Um, going to be sort of delving into the future and sustainability of CrossFit uh, and then looking at Steve's transition from being uh, an athlete uh, into a coach and Perhaps back to an athlete. We'll, Maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, and the sort of yeah, the take-home points are going to be sort of how Steve has uh, got himself, where he's got himself, and the success both in in business and in uh, and in sport. Yeah. So um, let's talk about CrossFit first mm-hmm. um, and the sustainability of CrossFit. Yeah. Um, track records for corporate and private companies across all sport isn't good. Yeah. Um, that's not personal. Mm-hmm. That's just you know, um, sports tend to fare better with government governmental support. Um, how do you see the future of the competitive side of CrossFit and and where they're going and the direction? Yeah, I think it's important that people understand that um, CrossFit is a commercial business, um, just as uh, UFC is to mixed mixed martial arts MMA and how. Uh, I managed to triathlon. The difference is that triathlon and mixed martial arts have um, governing bodies, uh, and CrossFit has yet to well, has yet until recently um, had a governing body that supports um, the sport that people are participating in. Um, there has, like I say, recently um, has been an international federation formed. Um, and many national federations formed for functional fitness. Um, with the UK has been called Fitness Racing Federation UK, FRF UK, um, and that's very much uh, to run alongside what CrossFit is doing, rather than bash against it. Yeah. Um, and I think going so going back to your question with that is that it's important because from experience for myself, people that are kind of trying to compete at the top, the only thing that's stopping them doing it year on year, if they're not winning the, the thousands of pounds prize money, um, is that there's no funding available to, to keep competing. Um, a lot of people who are trying to get to regionals are having to train three or four times a day, that three or four hours a day, um, or three or four times a day, um, and you can't really do that with a a nine-to-five job. You've got to make a sacrifice in your job, which in turn has a sacrifice on your funding and, and just paying the bills generally. Um, so there needs to be something there. Um, and with it being a commercial business, there's no there's no funding there for athletes to to, to do that. So they're training like any other professional sport without um, the funding to do so. So I think that's that was the reason, a big reason why I was kind of had to stop competing and it's, it's happening quite a lot now at the top is that people are stepping down from they're still qualifying for regionals but they're stepping down from accepting their invite and and competing at a games level because there's other priorities like the jobs and, and things that are taking over um, and i think until that 
governing body um, is formed and is supporting athletes. Um, the life expectancy of a, a CrossFit athlete now will, will be limited. Yeah. So it's the guys at the very top, and, and that will just accentuate the gap at the top, won't it? Because yeah. the guys who are earning money will be training hard, exactly. and have access to better coaching, better yeah. materials, and you've kind of got to, um, I guess, come out of the blue and, and get there to the top off your own, off on your own back to then be able to sustain it. Which is difficult when the guys at the front are running faster because they've got access to more, yeah. to more, isn't it? Exactly, so the yeah. gap will they be just keep increasing. going, keep going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's why those guys will get there year on year. And you kind of tend to see, you, you don't often see people who are coming between twentieth and fortieth place or thirtieth and fortieth place at the games are there every year. Yeah, they're there once or twice. And then new athletes come in, and then they repeat that. Yeah, where the top point. twenty stay quite they the same, stay, yeah. and the bottom twenty have a, have a high turnover. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And that's that's primarily down to funding. I would put it down to funding a lot, yeah, because that's general. That's unfortunately what um, stops people being able to put so much, so many hours in a day of training. Um, there's bills to pay. There's other stress in life to to deal with, um, and it unfortunately comes down to money. So looking at your own career, then you look that was you took that decision yourself. You were one of those. You were one of those. Yeah. I don't call you bottom twenty, Steve, but you were one of those. Oh well, yeah, I was twenty six. Um, <laughs> you were one of those bottom twenty that that sat down and looked your wife in the eyes and looked yeah. your job and your your financial situation in the eyes and yeah. took what must have been quite a difficult but brave decision at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because leading up until the games. Um, a big decision that I made was to just knock any kind of personal training that I was doing on the head. The only income that I had was was six hundred pound a month from from personal drawing from taking from the business. Um, fortunately, there was a couple of sponsors here and there which helped me out and got me and meant that I could pursue it for a couple of years. Um, but six hundred pound a month isn't um, you know isn't paying the bills. And One just, of the hardest decisions you've ever had to make that to not. To not continue competing, or was it quite was it quite easy for you? I mean, I guess it's it's happened um, quite naturally and quite well because my decision to not um, to, to be an athlete it meant I had a little bit of time to do some online programming um, and some online coaching. And as as my performance and success as an athlete grew, so did that side. Um, so it kind of got to a point where. Um, I built up an online uh, program business to a point where I was I was really interested in, in helping the guys that were on it. So it wasn't just like a case of going from uh, like cutting off. I'm an athlete now. I'm not it kind of it kind of naturally just kind of progressed. So it hasn't been too much of a, a hard decision. Um, yeah, just kind of kind of progressed over. So I mean, <clears throat> one thing that's uh, you competing at the games, mm-hmm. which of course is a is an achievement in itself. Um, for me, you getting to the games is a greater is a greater achievement. I know they're the same thing, but I'm yeah. just talking about the processes involved yeah. there. I think anybody who's dedicated that much of their life and has lived at that level is um, it's an enormous achievement, yeah. um, and it's it's a it's a fantastic achievement to to get there. 
Um, so, so from from my perspective, what's impressive is, or what I'm interested in hearing about, is uh, I can watch a documentary and see yeah. how it, how it went for you. And the game, you know, game day isn't for me isn't necessarily that interesting. What's yeah. interesting for me is the process you went yeah. through in the months or years leading, leading up to it, and yeah. where the, where what we call the hard yards were done. Um, talk us a little bit through that process and how and how the hard yards were done. Yeah, I mean. From the point, from the moment I realised that going to the CrossFit Games is is what I wanted to achieve, it's kind of you just kind of work back from. Imagine you're at the CrossFit Games, and then working back from that moment, as, and then realising what I need to do to be able to to make it. Um, and I guess having that process kind of backtracked from the end goal to where I, I currently was um, is what kept me kind of ticking over what's, what made me get up. Yeah. So were there any days were there any days where you were like, you know what? Nah. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. I'm done. Uh, I don't want this anymore. Yeah, there was there was a lot of days, but I was fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of good training partners and a few of the coaches in the gym and a few of the lads. Um, there's numerous lads who I would I would purposely message them the kind of the day before if I feel like I was struggling to get up for this running session, I had to go and do it at six in the morning um, I'll mention his name actually Tino Marini who, who's moved out to San Diego now he was he was one of the lads uh, who would just always turn up and with me having already arranged that with him to, to starting at 7 o'clock at the gym uh, would be there with your running kit on that was more of a reason for me to if, if I had accepted in my head that I'm not going to do it then I wasn't then going to not do it and let down uh, Tino would be waiting for me so the sort of take home point of people listening out appointments, appointment-based training, and yeah. making deals yourself is, is a huge psychological. Yeah. I guess we're just yeah, just keeping. I was just keeping myself accountable with, with my training partners. Yeah. Um, and there was many lads in the gym which which helped me do that. So um, asking for help, mm-hmm. um, important aspect of an athlete. I mean, that's what you're telling me there. You you were you were quite good at recognizing. I'm having, admitting, not trying to be robotic, not yeah. trying to be Superman, yeah. seeing that you're human and saying. Today I need some help and yeah. calling up a friend or a training partner and um, important part of of, of, of life or yeah, life as definitely athlete. yeah just to, yeah I guess just reaching out for some help um, without actually saying here come and I need some help no we don't just, say that we're men to say I need help but. <laughs> um, yeah it was, I think it's def- it's definitely important um, and I think if if you're the right people around you that, that realise that that's what you're that you're saying that they're not going to let you down right. um, yeah other than that there was there was many other times where in the in the training leading up to regionals was probably the the main um, kind of psychological battle that you have with yourself uh, in 2015 we knew the the workouts for four weeks um, before we were doing them um, and you come and every weekend you see in other regions doing those workouts so those same workouts and maybe 12 movements over six uh, events are just going through your head over and over again. Um, and that was the point where you reach, I'm sick of thinking about handstand walks into a snatch anymore. Yeah. I'm sick of thinking about um, climbing a rope or doing 35 kilo power snatches. Like, um, that's, what, yeah, that's when you question kind of why, why you're getting up each day to do it. But I think if you just have the end goal in the back of your head, 
So did you have any kind of triggers or do you did you have anything, did you have a sentence you said to yourself or did you have any kind of sort of support networks or anything else there that... Yeah, so I, I studied um, NLP, yeah. Neuro Linguistic Programming. Um, this was years ago, five or six years ago. So I had actually, I can't exactly remember what they were now, but there was um, the first event of the weekend at regionals in 2015 was 75 power snatches for time. Uh, 35 kilos and the first event of any competition is nerve-wracking kind of the first one and it happened to be like a three-minute workout um, and I'd find myself just getting so worked up for it um, and then I'd always get I'd get so worked up to a point and then I'd just stop and think this is 75 power snatches with 35 kilos and just tell myself what the event was again yeah. um, like that's not something to be nervous about. Like it's not something I won't slip yet. Forget how to do. You're processing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in terms of triggers, I, I can't remember what my exact trigger was. Um, but when I hit fifty of that workout, fifty reps, I did. I would do something. Um, I think it just. I think it was just like a grunt, just like a ah. I'd make a noise, um, and that was like. No, push to the next. Open the taps. Yeah, yeah. the next 25. Um, so yeah, many, many things. I used to use many things like that um, just to help uh, get through it. Yeah. So you, um, you could go back and do the process again. Yeah. You can go through that year again um, and you can, you can change anything you like. What do you change about that year? Um... It's hard to say what I'd change about the lead up to it because I don't know if I'd done it any other way I would have got to the games. So it would be hard for me to to say I would do that differently, but what I know what I would do differently was what I did after the games. Um I'd never had more than uh one week off training after any competition. Um so I thought I'll have two weeks off training because it's been the games and I'll yeah. reward myself for yeah. an extra week and I'll be fine after that. It'll <laughs> be no problem. So I had two weeks off training, like with no training, it was on, it was on holiday. Um, came back, started doing little bits of training on the third week and I thought, right, in the fourth week I'll start training for 2016. Uh, and I lasted about seven or ten days and uh, the wheels fell off completely and then I'd I you know, spoke to doctors, spoke to coaches, um, and I ended up just taking over three or four weeks completely off training. Um, and I think that just had a knock-on effect then for the rest of the what would be the 2016 season. Uh, major just constantly felt like I was playing catch-up from returning to training too early, um, constantly trying to catch up to the standard that I needed to be at, yeah. uh, and push myself to and doing things that maybe um, I shouldn't have been doing uh, just to get back and with the pressure of making it to the games again. Um, so whether I would I would say take more time off or just take out and not compete in 2016 would have left me in a better position um, to compete for the next year. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I would definitely change how I um, return to training. So do you... From, from what it sounds like to me, when mm -hmm. you finish in, you finish the games, is you had the sort of uh, the, the high to the low. Yeah. You know, you crashed. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> do you think there was anything, or was there anything that could have been done in the lead up to the to the games there that might have softened that crash after? Um, were you prepared for the anticlimax of after? You know, mm-hmm. like the. I mean, I remember my first Ironman. I was. I was absolutely sure I'd convinced myself when I crossed the finish line I was going to be a different person. And, and yeah. the problem was I crossed the finish line and I was still me and I was so disappointed that I was still me. <laughs> yeah. I know that sounds really yeah. strange, but I was devastated that I'm, I'm not a different person. I'm still exactly the same person I was 30 seconds ago before yeah. I crossed the finish line. Yeah. And I would like to have been, I mean, my achievements, nothing compared to your achievement there, but I would like to have been prepared for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and if there's any criticisms so CrossFit is that that needs to be provided to athletes and just kind of someone needs to be there in support to kind of let you know and maybe that's what uh, what that is a coach's role to do but I didn't have the coaches there that would that had that experience to, to tell me that um, at the time so yeah that would definitely have helped if I was prepared and someone was to say look this is what you'll feel like after the games then when it was when it when I did feel like that it was expected because I've been told it yeah um, it's quite interesting we do something which we've called uh, positive negatives yeah. and we sit down and we see how negative we can be for half an hour yeah. and so in half an hour we try and talk about all the negative things that can happen and we call them positive negatives because actually being prepared for negatives is the one of the yeah. most positive we can be mm-hmm. um, and it's really interesting to sit down and say well this could go wrong this could go wrong that could go wrong we're prepared yeah. for it now let's be positive again yeah um, yeah, I think it was that, and kind of um, obviously making it to the games, and then I think I had like three or four weeks back in the gym, training and, and, and doing bits of work, and then it was like it was like a five week build up to the games. I was out in Spain doing training camps over in LA, training each day, and then going from that, and then euphoria of the game, euphoria of the games, and then coming home back to Wigan. And just being like landed with everything that I've missed out on for the last eight weeks because yeah. I've not been at the gym. Yeah. Um, alongside, like you say, realizing that oh, I'm just this is exactly the same yeah. as where I was yeah. this time last year. Yeah. Um, except yeah. I'm a little bit more tired now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. I mean, you know, we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, sort of moving into you, now, you're moving into the coaching side mm-hmm. of things, but I think that is is actually. You know, there's that old quote: is if you're not enough with it, you're, you're not enough without it. You'll never be enough with it. Yeah. And actually, getting athletes to appreciate their self worth with or without the result, and the result is just a great experience yeah. rather than yeah. being on end of everything is yeah. is quite important, isn't it? So, we're moving into the coaching world now. Yeah. It's uh, Coach Steve now. Coach Steve. Um, are you done, Steve? Are you done? Is are you a coach now, or? Are we going to see you back out there? You know, I mean, I'll definitely always compete. I'll never not compete. Um, it's the reason why. It's the reason why I train. I don't train to just be a healthy person and, and, and look good. I train to compete, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be a point where I have to knock that um, attitude on the head. But um, I would like to do competitions here and there. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to get back to regionals and, and, and train to go to the games again. I don't think I can sacrifice um, the other stuff that I've got going on now. But uh, I missed out on a lot of kind of middle tier like national competitions um, over the last three years. So I would like to have a little 
play around with the monster's shoulder is uh, reattached again. Get back working. Yeah. So, moving into the coaching world now, mm-hmm. um, what's the what are you taking from your own athletes? What are you taking from your own time as athletes? What are you as a, as an athlete? What are you bringing to them? What are you giving them as a you know as advice? What, where are you starting with them? How are you advising them? Or are those yeah. listening who are self-coached, for example, mm-hmm. what, what, what are you thinking? So I guess it's, when, I, when you talk about my athletes, there's the athletes that are in JST, yeah. that they're in the gym that I'm seeing each day, um, which I can have a bit more of an influence on. Yeah. Um, Jack, Jane, and, and, and the rest of the guys that yeah. are there training day in, day out. Um, I can get across more points to those just because I'm seeing them yeah. every day, yeah. really. Um, the idea behind the online program and the JST Compete program is that I'm getting as much influence across to them as I can, but I know it's, it, it can be limited um, over the internet. Um, but still, providing them with a with an online program or support network where they can get the most uh, out there. I training. think I think if you talk to you talk to any athletes and then and especially self coach athletes, and from what I'm hearing, you are primarily a self coach athlete yeah. as well, and and that mental stress. I mean, we we call it pate training. Yeah. Um, that sort of gooey, floppy middle ground, which yeah. is never up and never down, which which self coach athletes tend to live within quite often. And that you can always persuade yourself for two more sets when you're feeling good, yeah. and you can always talk yourself out of the last two sets when you're feeling bad. And, and there's even athletes who have coaches yeah. that do more than us on the program or less on the program because they they think they know better. And yeah. and I think they tend to miss the point there that they. They, they might they might know better, but they're still wrong to do it because yeah. they pile on um, mental pressure and mental stress by taking that responsibility on themselves. Is that something you? And I think the, the JST program in there ticks that box. Yeah, it takes away a lot of mental pressure for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, like I said, from being self coached, it's it is that constant thought in your head: I'm doing enough. I'm doing too much, and that kind of roundabout that goes around your head um drain it does drain you um so yeah taking that off off the guys is, is uh, i would i would think definitely helps them in, in their yeah. training um couple that with them doing the right thing um yeah. and it starts to see some good results so i mean so just going to push you that on that a little bit steve how mm-hmm. does it affect you how does the, the self-coaching and I, I know the feeling of um, it affects it affects your daily life, it affects your relationships, and, yeah. and so on and so on. And is that something you're prepared to talk about? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure my wife will would love to be jumped in. Love to have jumped in on this question. <laughs> right in there, yeah, we should, should be answering this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like my wife and, and my parents, uh, my friends. Um, luckily, they were they were all like, really understanding and would back everything that we're doing. Kind of, if there was moments, and there definitely was, where I would be hard work or um, kind of hard to get along with. Um, they would either just step back and let me be like that and then wait for me to come around or they would just tell me straight, stop yeah. being an idiot. Yeah. Um, so I was I was definitely fortunate to be around people that were um, that understood what was what was going on. Yeah. I mean that's the backside of making the achievement like the games, isn't it? That yeah. not everybody sees and it's not in yeah. the documentaries and it's yeah. not in everywhere else is that yeah. You go home in the evening, and, and you know you are just you to them. You're just Steve, aren't you? Yeah. You know, uh, and it's it's quite a selfish thing to do is compete, really, because you you 
at times you think it's just your life that you're affecting. It's only when you look back, really, do you, do you realise that, oh, actually, a lot of people changed what they were doing in their life so that I could try and get to the games. Yeah. Um, it's only when you realise that. It's, it probably definitely was a reason why I stepped back uh, from it because you feel what, you just feel selfish that you're yeah. putting other people through something for your own benefit. It's quite interesting. I... Um I used to go out Saturday mornings, do a long ride. Mm. Um, used to do sort of four or five hour rides Saturday morning, and I always I'd convinced myself I'd convinced myself that the whole thing was worth it because I had a daughter that ran over the finish line with me in Ironman. Yeah. So I always held her hand, and she got she got three minutes of her dad's attention there, <laughs> and that and that somehow compensated for all the Saturdays that yeah. I wasn't there. And then one day, one day I had a ticket bought for an Ironman, uh, was training for it, and, and Maya said to me, Dad, can you not do Ironman next year? And I said, why? And she said, because I'd rather play with you. And I haven't done a triathlon since. Yeah. Like, I didn't race that year. Yeah. Like, literally just looked to her and went, I thought I was the coolest dad in the world. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and yeah. uh, and I was cool then because of the Ironman, but actually she just wanted my attention. So the, yeah. the families do suffer and they, yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah, so, but having that, having coaching staff that, prioritize time for you and take that burden yeah. of programming and structure and everything else with you. for me is the, the, the essential element of yeah. of um, to whatever capacity that is that might just be programming it might just be a chat it might yeah. just be a phone call but having that support network I think is everything for yeah. athletes 100%. 100% it's only now I'm getting some cycling help for myself um, where I'm that's probably only the really the, one of the first time where I wake up and I look at what I'm doing today and and do it and there's no other stress around it. There's no other, not a question. There's no question of what you're doing. Um, it's just kind of get up and, and crack on. Yeah. Um, it definitely helps. I learned, I did, but probably back to your previous question. If there was something I would do differently, then um, it was I trust in someone from early on. It's, it's quite tough to give that your dream away to someone, yeah, yeah. isn't it? You have to really you, think you know best. You do, yeah, you do. So, um, so you're now writing programming, mm-hmm. and you're you're being quite successful. You probably I need to say that because you're probably <laughs> going to say it. Um, and you've got ten guys going to regionals. Uh, there's definitely nine now. Okay, and waiting on the invites for maybe ten. Okay, yeah, it's definitely nine. So, um, so what I'm interested in is um, Steve, the athlete, Steve, the coach. I yeah. think it's a real pleasure to meet you in this sort of transition phase. Yeah. And, and um, I know it myself. You know, you think you've achieved a lot as an athlete, or yeah. you've, you've had a lot of great. You've won a cup or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the feeling of seeing one of your athletes sort yeah. of get to the podium or achieve well and everything else like that. Are you going to be able to hold it together there, Steve? I mean, I've 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 pictured um, I've pictured it happening a few times over the last few weeks. You dared to dream of you. Yeah, I've Is dared. that dangerous? Yeah, and uh, you just get a little little lump in your throat. Yeah. Um, and I think more so because the the guys that I've got, I, I get on with them well, and I kind of I, I know them. Um, I'm not I'm not say the names and put them under pressure, but um, on a personal level as well as as a, as a coach to them, it'd be great just to see. Uh, see them succeed. Like I know that, I know that they can. I guess good people um, doing well. 
But yeah, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the crossover into coaching. Um, I feel like it's happened quite naturally with, with kind of doing the team event last year, um, where I was a bit more of a player coach role in the yeah. team. Um, and kind of still competing um, and, still, and still being an athlete, but then at the same time helping the rest of the team. And then that has then nicely progressed into this year of just going fully uh, in as a coach. Starting all the stress that, that comes with that. The stress, yeah, starting to slowly um, experience. Having that, you know, that helplessness. Yeah, I can't do anything. You, I can't do yeah. anything. And get me, get me on the, uh, get me on the arena. I'll do it myself. Yeah, well, you know, the, <laughs> in the weeks and months up to, you know, you can you can do stuff with a program, or you can do stuff with yeah. the coaching, and and ultimately they're they're a sort of combination of their hard work and dedication yeah. and your knowledge, aren't they? Yeah, and that, and that, that's what's coming together. Yeah. In terms of taking responsibility as a coach, do you think there's enough uh, responsibility from the coaches out there? Are we are we seeing are we seeing enough responsibility from coaches? How how is the coaching systems within CrossFit and, and what we're seeing? I don't think there's, there's I don't think there's that many coaches out there. Um, to be honest, um, I think a lot of athletes are. Yeah, still very well, very much self-taught. I mean, well, self-coached. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they have people to help them, um, but I, I don't feel like CrossFit, especially in the UK anyway, has got to that point where every top athlete has a coach. Okay, really. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you'll still see um, guys that are at regionals, and they'll be in the warm area, and they'll be on their own. Really? And they might have a friend there who's given the coaching class to, yeah. but they're not the coach. Right. They just come to help them and hold the water bottle or the lanyard or something. So I still think it's quite a way behind in compared to most other professional sports in that sense. Um, and I guess it's only going to improve when, when athletes see that the guys that are beating them, they've all got a coach that are telling them what to do and, and helping them achieve it. It's important. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we might see different this year um, at regionals, but that's how it's been for the last five or six years. Um, it has progressively got, um, how you'd call it, a bit more, more elite, uh, a bit more of an elite approach to it in that sense, where there's there's a physio and there's a coach and there's a nutritionist and there's maybe a manager or an agent yeah. for one athlete, and every athlete has that. There's only the top guys that have that at the moment. But it will progress. I feel like it will progressively uh, improve, definitely. So um, <clears throat> we've all seen your um, appearance in a documentary before uh, in the CrossFit. Oh, the Netflix. My the ten Netflix, seconds of fame. Your ten seconds of flame. Fame. flame. Yeah, flames. Yeah, flames. I like flames. I was going to say, <laughs> I've seen you looking better, my friend. Yeah. Um, well, that was. Did you did you did you see what happened on that event? Seen the workout. Yeah. Um, and you knew what happened on that workout? No. So that was the wheelbarrow event? Yeah. yeah. And it showed Noah Olsen had dropped his wheelbarrow and all his sandbags came out, but it didn't show us that mine also did that. Oh, did it really? Yeah. So oh, That's the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Most people know it because one of the usual questions that people ask me was, how was the games? And I asked how were the games was, how did you feel when you, when you tipped your wheelbarrow off? Yeah, okay, so we move on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. But it's, that, that was... 
that moment where I've had in my hands and I'm rubbing my hands and shaking exactly, my head yeah. is I've just slugged myself for 15 minutes knowing full well that I was coming last on that event but you're still you're in tennis stadium there's thousands of people watching you you're not just gonna excuse the pun sandbag it but yeah you just I just had to empty the tank but then just still take a last place <laughs> <laughs> so that was the but you, you've taken head. last place in the bit of the games like you well, know, there you go not many people done that <laughs> <laughs> so the the future of CrossFit then is it it's going more and more professional it's, it's yeah. headed that way it's yeah. going to be harder and harder it's going to develop and, and yeah and I think what's a great thing for, just more recently for CrossFit in the UK has been the the new regional split yeah they've split um, Europe into Europe North Europe Central Europe South um, so we're having 40 spots we've got three lots of 20 spots and in our region Europe Central we've suddenly got I think there's like eight UK men and eight or nine UK women going to regionals great um, so then we've got 16 and there's a, there's a bunch of teams so there's going to potentially like 30 athletes from the UK going to regionals um, whereas in the past it was like a third of that number right so I think just just then showing that um, like it's possible to get to regionals is people are going to maybe realise and maybe step up to the plate and realise it's more achievable yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think that, that that Europe split will be will be great for UK CrossFit especially so if you're um, if you're going to advise give one golden piece of advice from your time mm-hmm. over um, what are you going to tell them what are you going to say to the guys that let me ask you this in another way then. Cool. How many training sessions can you remember? Your good training sessions. How many times do you remember having a great training day? Okay, I only remember the PBs. Yeah. And I only remember a handful of those, really. Yeah. Um, so what do you remember? You remember the, the bad ones. <laughs> the hard, not the bad ones, the hard ones. Yeah. The hard sessions. Um, the days, like we were talking earlier, where you question... Why, why are you doing it? Yeah. Um, I guess the good uh, kind of uh, what's the word there? The good uh, what's the word? I don't know, I'm not you. The good thought that I have of, of, of those days is that I, I carried on. And I, and I, yeah, good memory. Yeah, the good memory I had of those days is that I carried on and completed them, yeah. um, and that's potentially what could have, have, have helped me get to the games, and that yeah. I didn't just sandbag it off and carrying on. Yeah. That's, it's maybe a positive from it, but at the time it was very negative. Yeah, because I mean, I ask that very often to to, to, to athletes and interview or just in discussions is, is what do you remember? Yeah. Um, and, and what tends to happen is, is I don't remember... I don't, can't even remember one. Or, you know, no. It's the odd session. It is a blur. Yeah, Training a blur. is just this blur of feeling. It's an, an emotion. It, it turns into an emotion. of. Yeah. And uh, But what we do remember are the, are the special moments and the big days. And, yeah. and, the, and, and having athletes focusing on those as coaches is very important. I, yeah. think. I think that's something that we really, uh, we spend a lot of time sitting and working on pushing hard and doing more and, but yeah. they're not the things you're going to remember when you're 40 and looking back no. what you're going to remember is the 
is the laughs, the jokes, the fun, the, yeah. the, 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 and then having the focus on that actually ends up with a greater training result. I yeah. Think. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so my advice um, is just to make sure you have someone that can help, that can help you and support you. What you're doing, whether that's whether that's well, you should be a coach um, and other people. Just make sure that you're surrounded by a network of, of people that are going to support what you, what you want to achieve. Um, whether it be a coach, a physio, um, your family or your friends. I don't guess you can't pick your family. No. You can pick your friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. So, um, you know the question's coming. Use the same one. I think we should probably do a different joke than <laughs> yeah. you told me in warm up. Um, so, Steve, we're going to need your favourite joke or a joke. It's a, it's been a long day. It's a bit of pressure, isn't it, buddy? <laughs> it's a bit of pressure. Am I allowed to use your jokes? You're allowed to use my jokes. I don't know. You're allowed to use my jokes. Spade was a groundbreaking intervention. <laughs> See, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> it was. I guess everyone else listening might have a different opinion on that one. The thing is, if they don't find <laughs> that funny, they shouldn't be listening. They have a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, change podcast. Yeah, yeah, move on. <laughs> Good, Steve. We really appreciate your time. No um, Thanks for having us. For, for those of you listening who. Um, who like the sound of Steve or what he was talking about. Um, where can they read more or find out more about you? Um, I guess you just follow the Instagram and, and the Instagram channels. Um, JST Compete, yeah, is that? The program is JST Compete Program um, on Instagram and, and the website is jstcompete.com. Okay. Uh, that's where a lot of the information regarding training and, and coaching goes. Um, there's my own personal one, but now just to keep that for personal stuff so any training related stuff get to JST Compete Program appreciate it appreciate your time no problem thanks for having us thank you for listening to the podcast if you're enjoying the podcast and want to come and join us on our Red Pill Movement Assessors course we'll be teaching you the biomechanical assessment procedure designed by James Jowsey and Phil Mansfield we have two dates left this year, the 23rd and 24th of June in Whatever It Takes London, which is selling fast, so uh, book up, or the 27th and the 28th of October in Reebok CrossFit Nuremberg. Look forward to seeing you there.